HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. Since 2009, HRN podcasts have been exploring the wide world of food, beverage, and agriculture. Learn more at heritageradionetwork.org. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Comté Cheese Association. Comté, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. Find out more at comté-usa.com. That's c-o-m-t-e-usa.com. Welcome to Cutting the Curd on the Heritage Radio Network. I'm your host, Kara Warren. And today on the show, we have Christy Kay. She is the lead e-cheesemonger of Gourmet Dash, an online e-commerce company based out of Atlanta, Georgia. Christy is a CCP, CCSE monger and has been a part of the cheese industry since 2014. Christy, welcome to the show. Thank you, Kara. I'm so happy to be here. Man, I can't believe you flew all the way from that Georgia. Yes. Crazy yes. girl. Now it, it feels worth it. If you're a big if you're a big cheese nerd like me, sitting here at Roberta's is like big a big moment. So it was very much worth it. Oh man, dude, that means so much. Thank you. That's that's real cheese love. Thank you, thank you, thank ah, you. Cheese love. There's, there's so much of it going around. <laughs> yeah, totally. So um now that you're here, tell us a little bit about yourself. How'd you get into cheese? Sure. So um I will say that there was definitely a before cheese, like a BC in my life, which would be zero to 16. Okay. And then the after cheese. Um, I actually remember the day that cheese sort of arrived in my life. Um, I was, my dad was a photographer. He had a lot of really weird stuff around the house, antiques, just odd things. And one day I found in his office, this big poster called Cheeses of the World. And you can actually see it on the internet and I still have the poster, but I found it and it had, of course, all kinds of cheeses of the world on it. And um, I just, I don't know, I was just sucked into the poster. I could not stop looking at it. I remember sitting on the floor and sort of propping it up against the wall in his office and just sort of just getting lost in what are all these, you know, I had never, you know, I grew up yeah. here, you know, in the U.S. going to the supermarket and I'd never seen something like, you know, some of the cheeses that were on that poster. And I just immediately really curious about the cultures, the people that made them, who, who are, who, who are the people that are eating these things? Where are they? What are they doing? What does their life look like? And, um, interested in what they tasted like for sure, but more interested in maybe the circumstances and, um, how they all came to be and why and where they were and why I didn't see them in my local market, right. you know? So 
I remember telling my dad that day, I was like, I want to be a cheese connoisseur. And that's basically all I knew at that point. And then from there on, I uh, just started getting books and reading and visiting, you know, going on the internet, seeing, is there a cheese place? Are there cheese shops? Where can I go to find good cheese? Visiting places in my local area. I grew up in Northern California, so I, I just didn't know at the time, but I was in an awesome cheese area and uh, visiting creameries, you know, going out to the Sonoma Marin area. And uh, so anyway, that's how I got my start. And then I well, just that's so cool that you did research before actually like just jumping into mongering. Like that's actually a different um, avenue you took. Um, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, it like I said, it was just sort of a like the clouds parted and a, and a light shone down, shined down on me. And it was just something that I never really considered as a career. I kind of thought there were two jobs in cheese, right? You can make cheese or you can own a cheese shop. Both of those didn't totally seem like they fit my personality. And so I thought, well, that's, I guess, out. So I guess I have to, you know, go to college and do something else, which is what I sort of did, you know, but I was studying cheese myself and just sort of interested in it. And the reason actually I, I got a cheese job was partially because of the CCP. Um, I actually found the ACS website and I really wanted to take the CCP and I learned about it. I thought, oh, there's a test for, che for cheese. This is so cool. I can get some kind of certification, some kind of validation that I know something about it. And then I saw that you needed to spend two years full-time or right. I guess four years part-time working in cheese. Right. And I actually remember sitting there in front of the computer. This was after college sitting there thinking, oh, okay, well, I guess I have to work in cheese for two years to, to take the test. Right. And so I had that idea to, to, to do that just so I could take the test, not to actually have a lifelong career at cheese, which of course is what happened. But wow. <laughs> it's just funny. Cause at that age, I was like maybe 20, 21, 22, two years kind of didn't seem like a big, deal, you know, like, oh, I'll spend two years working in cheese because I'm so young and I have so much time, you know, it's never only two years, though. <laughs> That's the thing. Thank goodness. Yeah, right. 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 Yeah. But um, anyway, so uh, I got a job. Anyway, I saw a Facebook ad for Cheesemonger at Calgary Creamery in Point Reyes, which was two hours away from where I lived at the time in Sacramento area. Cool. And um, so I applied to that job and I um obviously started working there. And then here we are now. So I, I was at Cowgirl Creamery for a little while. And then I ended up moving to New Orleans and working at St. James. Cool. Amazing cheese shop. And then I moved up to Atlanta and worked for a small producer uh, called Hobo Cheese Co. Um, mm. That's based uh, right now. They're right around where Georgia and Tennessee meet up oh, at the border. Cool. Yeah. They're really close to Chattanooga. Tennessee, but they're in the, they're on the Georgia side. Anyway, they make amazing cheese. I was working for them for a couple of years. And then of course now I work for Gourmet Dash. So that's sort of my, my journey, my path. Wow. I mean, you've really been all over the U S in a little bit of a ways, I would say you, you've done more than a one region. That's impressive. Yeah. I think that's <laughs> what makes a you know, if you're able to work in different cultures and with different little markets, I guess, small yeah. markets and regions, that's, you know, you learn a lot from people in different regions and mongers, the monger style, wherever you are, you know, oh my God. California I, and New Orleans, for example, super different, big culture shock. You know, that was valuable for me to monger in one and then monger in another, you know, so totally. I mean, I see it um, when we look at West Coast and East Coast mongers um, in different competitions and such. I'm like, man, that is a different style. One is definitely 
anyway, I don't want to say too much because I, I don't want to <laughs> diss any one side. I know where I'm from and, and the East Coast were very aggressive sometimes. So I get it. Um, well, anyway, we need to get back to the nitty gritty of Gourmet Dash. And um, one of the big reasons you're here is because e-commerce and e-cheesemongering which I, you know, I, it's, it's crazy. We're at that point now where we can have an e-cheesemonger. Um, I wanted to see with you, like, what does it mean to be an e-cheesemonger? Like, am I looking at you like a hologram or like, what is that? How does that work actually? Yeah. I mean, I think it's an evolving reality, right? And it's, I think it's a new thing, right? I mean, the internet's new and um, eat or not eat. Cheesemongering is obviously an ancient profession, but Sure. With the internet, you know, I think we're still figuring out how to do that. And that's what's really fun about my job is obviously I'm I come from traditional cheesemongering in a shop and I'm learning how to create that same relationship with the customer from, you know, a fulfillment center and a computer screen or a cell phone screen. You know, that's something new. And that's kind of what's so fun about this job is that it is new. There's no rules no rules, just, uh, you know, figuring out the best way to do it. Yeah. Are you designing the systems that are, are going into this, into Gourmet Dash? Yeah. I mean, we're still a startup in a lot of ways. I mean, we've, we've been around since 2005, 2008, if you want to say the U.S., been in the U.S. since 2008, and I can tell you more about that, but we still feel like a startup. I mean, we're still establishing just very basic systems like how we wrap our cheese and how we label it and how we pack our boxes. I mean, that stuff's all very, even though we've been around for a while, we, it still feels like we're just building it from the ground up. Right. And how long have you been with Gourmet Dash now? I've been there uh, since January of 21. So almost two years now. Okay, cool, cool, cool. So like, yeah, a little bit into the COVID time, pandemic, like e-commerce is picking up. Um, what Were you seeing the business go a little crazier? Was there an increase in business during that time as you got into it? Well, I wasn't there before. Okay, so you couldn't so, see. So I don't know what it was like before, but I know that, you know, the whole world kind of realized the value of e-commerce, at least those of us who hadn't really thought about it much before. And I think the business certainly saw, hey, this is our moment. You know, right. um, the founders who started it a long time ago, Okay. you know, I'm sure they saw, hey, this is what we've been working towards, you know, a moment where people will turn to the Internet to get food and good food. Right. I mean, that was a thing that I, I remember during the pandemic, like even myself, I was looking at all the different producers to be like, how can I buy cheese right now? How can I support? How can I get the things that I normally would get if I went outside and like this was that moment where e-commerce was actually saving and helping people in a, an immense way, actually. So um, I'm glad that you kind of have been shaping it. And um, so I'm curious, is it like, I had a few questions about it in terms of like, is it an online cheese club? Are there fees? Is Are there loyalty points? Like, how is it structured? Is it like somebody just goes on and picks and, and buys like an Amazon style? Like, how does it work, actually? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, trying to be the Amazon of cheese, really, um, which is just that a lot of people find us by Googling, you know, where can I buy yay toast, right? And mm -hmm. then we're, we're recommended there in Google, and they click on our site, and they end up with us that way. And it works just like a regular, you know, e-commerce site. We have, you know, we offer our products for sale, and people buy them, and there's no membership, there's really no loyalty at the moment. Um, we do have a subscription club, Cool. Um, and growing, but 
there's no, you come, come on, whether you're new or new or old, you know, and come on and uh, just find what you're looking for. And that's kind of how we're working. No, that's very cool. So then how many cheeses do you guys have current? Is, is it like a lot? It must be a lot. <laughs> yeah, I think unique cheeses. Oh gosh, we're always adding new to, I'm not, I'm not even sure what the exact number is, but I, I was looking at it yesterday. Unique sizes, products, actual individual like products. We have like 1200 wow. and that's, you know, some of those are like, you know, an eight ounce Tom de Savoie and a one pound Tom de Savoie and a wheel of Tom de Savoie, right? So I think the real number of unique cheeses is maybe down in the six to 800 okay. at the moment. But with each of those, we have multiple sizes. And so you have a lot of cheeses. I think we should mention like, why, how is that possible? Like what group are you working with to have this imported, you know, all these imported products and um, domestic, like how, how is that possible logistics wise and how is it viable for you? Well, we, the, like I said, the, the site has been around since 2008, but it actually merged with GFI Gourmet Foods International in 2020. Um, so we have obviously access to wonderful supply chain, a lot of products that we don't even carry on the site that GFI, you know, are sitting there in the warehouse that out of which we operate. And so, you know, we have access to a, a huge amount of product and great, like I said, uh, supply chain imports, all that kind of stuff that we're just at the moment, we're just working hard to get everything on the site that we have available to us. Totally. So is that like, I was going to ask you, so is that what makes you different from other e-commerce groups, other online, you know, retail stores? From my perspective, I mean, I don't know exactly how other e-commerce, uh, cheese retailers are, handling their cheese. But for me, what I'd like to be and mm -hmm. the way that I'd like to be perhaps different from others is I really want it to, I really want our cheeses to get to the customer in the way that the cheesemaker intended. Right. So we have a lot of cheeses that we're cutting to order, you mm. know? And I mean, we're, we're a small business in, in a way because, you know, we're able to do that. Um, but I really, want the cheeses to be in their absolute best possible condition. And I think, you know, that's a challenge with e-commerce and, uh, but that's kind of what we're going for is, you know, sometimes if you go to a supermarket or something, something's been in the case for a little bit, you know, because it has to be there ready for you to grab, whether there's a cheesemonger there or not. And what I'd like it to be is, you know, this is absolutely the best version of this that was cut for you. And it, you know, travel straight to your door. That's what I'd like it to be. Yeah. And that's what we're working towards. Yeah. The fresh, I mean, freshness and cheese is such a subject that I think not enough cheese enthusiasts know about. And I'm glad you're talking about it because often when you go to um, an average store, it's pretty sad. So um, it's good that someone like yourself is overseeing this for Gourmet Dash. And I think that that is a game changer because these companies do get very big and people do forget to, you know, maybe they're just putting something on sale to move it out of the warehouse. And it sounds like you're not doing that. So that's a game changer, in my opinion. Right. Well, I mean, I, you know, I'm pretty picky about cheese, right? <laughs> I mean, I want that fresh cut flavor, mm -hmm, right? Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, maybe a lot of people don't have that palette at the moment where they can distinguish, oh, this was cut a week ago versus this was cut two days ago or whatever. Sure. Um, I think we're trying to get our customers to that point where they can tell, hey, 
this tastes really flavorful and fresh and I can tell how much better this tastes. Um, and I know that not all of our customers are like me at the moment, but I think we want them to be to that place where they know what they like and they can taste the difference between a fresh cut piece of Comte versus one that was sitting around for a while. That's, you know. Yeah, that's huge. I mean, even, um, yeah, no, I think you're on the track to change consumers. Um, it sounds like you're doing a lot of education as well. I saw on the website, there's a lot of videos that you guys are doing. Is that also one of the goals of Gourmet Dash and for yourself to, to educate people more about cheese? Yeah, of course. I mean, education leads to enjoyment, I think, mm-hmm. right? So we want people to eat, you know, more good cheese. Um, and I think w- really from my perspective is it's taking that cheesemongering experience online, right? And a lot of what motivates me is, well, cheesemongering and fine cheese and charcuterie boards, they've mm-hmm. become more you know, prevalent in the, in the general consciousness, right? You go online and you see these gorgeous cheese boards, but if you live out in rural Alabama or something, you probably don't have a great cheese shop near you where you can go to talk to somebody about it and ask how to do it. And so that's sort of what motivates me is I want to bring that kind of experience and that level of service to people in every little corner of America and maybe someday beyond. But you know, the point is we're very lucky that we live in urban areas and right. we have access to really good cheese, but not everybody does. Right. So the other thing is, you know, that service, that conversation, bringing that online, that's what we're trying to do in, you know, um, allowing somebody, like I said, that lives in rural Alabama, which is not very far from where I'm at. Right. I am in sure, Atlanta, sure. Yeah. allowing them to say, you know, I really want to ask somebody a question about cheese, but nobody in my world I don't know anybody. Who do I, where do I go? Attaching, I guess, my face to a monger on the internet where they see, oh, you know, these are the mongers. There's Christy, there's Robin. You know, I can go on and send an email and get a response from Christy. Maybe that opens up a conversation. Maybe that builds a little bit more confidence. Maybe that changes the American table. That's the kind of the goal. So the accessibility is also a a factor that makes you guys so much better. That's pretty cool that they can have that one-on-one time with you, basically. Right. So, I mean, I think there's other online retailers that really have that expertise, right? Mm -hmm. But there's not like a monger attached to it, right? And so I guess I'm kind of putting myself out there. You know, you can see my crazy face on the internet, on the website. It's there. It's there. (laughs) Uh, You know, and if you send us if you go to our cheesemongers corner, which is part of that education aspect, you can click on a, you know, contact our cheesemongers and send me an email. And I will, you know, sit at my computer and type out the response. And, um, and so, yeah, we were trying to build trust. We're trying to build that two-way conversation, right? Mm-hmm. Cause I can put out all the education that I want and say, Hey, you know, make sure you eat your cheese at room temperature, but we mongering is really a two-way conversation. That's what we want it to be. Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's like a therapy appointment. It's it's kind of insane. So with logistics and shipping cheese nationally, because now you're doing cheese nationally, like you mentioned before, how have you figured out the logistics, the way to do the shipping? Because I've always thought shipping cheese is a disaster case, but what have you figured out about it? It is. It's a challenge, um, but it's a challenge that obviously needs to be solved, right? Because people want things fast. They want the op- the choices of the internet, right? The endless option, endless aisle. So um, 
As far as logistics, I have learned so much about shipping cheese since I started, obviously, and fulfillment, right? Right. So (laughs) there's just so much. I mean, you know, in the past, I've done some mail order stuff and like, you know, you have to, you know, the order comes in, you think, okay, cool, I'm going to go get these things and I'm going to put them in a box. I'm going to make a decision about what size box, you know, but in, in the, in this kind of situation, every single thing has to be dialed down. Right. So kind of the computer has to know, okay, they ordered these four items. What box will that ship in? Right. So the, the box is predetermined on the paper. Like, you know, this person goes and gets this box and they use this much wrapping and they use this many ice packs. Right. And so it's all kind of standardized so that it goes well every time. And it's not sort of a crapshoot of like, is this cheese going to bounce around in the box too much? Is it going to get there cold? You know, and the interesting thing, of course, is, you know, since we're not taking the cheese to their door, we're working with shipping partners like FedEx, you know, Mm -hmm. and you have to trust that they're going to hold up their end of the bargain too. But um, it's, it's kind of funny because I was, a lot of what I do is build collections for the site. And I built this collection that I thought, oh, so great. You know, it's a (laughs) tin fish cheese board, right? And it had, you know, a couple tins and it had like a couple jars, like some pickles and stuff. And then of course I did I added in there the Jose Andres potato chips that we sell, which are amazing, but it's a big bag of potato chips. So I said to our fulfillment manager, Whitney, I was like, oh, Whitney, you know, I got this great collection. It's, you know, a bunch of tins and some jars and one bag of big bag of potato chips. She's like, Christy, like you can't, Uh. that's, you know, you can't put like 10 hard rock hard items in with a bag of potato chips and ship them across the country. Like it's just, that's those potato chips might not get there in the best form, right? So those are things that as a regular monger in a store, when you're handing somebody something, you don't think about, right? How is this going to go in the box and go to their door? It's just something I was like, oh, right, Wendy, I forgot about that. So then now as I'm building collections, I have to sort of think about that, right? How are these things going to pack together? Yeah. Yeah, no, that's very cool. And I love that there is a software genius out there like, I need that in my life whenever I pack a cheese box. Like, I'm like the absolute worst at that. So that's so cool that you have that. Well, the thing is, what I've learned with fulfillment is, right, everybody wants it fast. And for example, we're accepting orders till 1 p.m. every day. So we're trying to, you know, receive an order at 12.59 and get it, you know, get the cheese cut, get it wrapped, get it labeled, get it packed in a box really nice, get it sealed up, get it on a truck, right? So everything has to be organized, you know, you can't just sort of go collect the cheese and, you know, pick a box, you know, it's just all that stuff has to be standardized. So it's just interesting to, to make it fast, you kind of have to get very organized very fast and know really what you're doing and trust that the shipper is going to do their job too and get it there, right? Because you can put all the effort in the world to make the cheese perfect and the wrap perfect and the packing perfect and sealed up and then it gets delayed or lost or it gets to their house late and it's such a pain then all that care is out the window and then the best thing you could do is just have a conversation with the customer about it you know so it's you know what does it say the best laid plans you know yeah man it's so hard to do I'm glad you're you're doing it well it sounds like um I, I wanted to ask you on average how many orders are you guys getting a day now you know, it's changed. It's changed a lot because we just went through a rebrand. We mm-hmm. actually got a brand new website. Oh, fantastic. Yeah. So we actually used to be gourmet-food.com. Oh. And now we're gourmet-food.com. We well took done. out the food 
and we spelled out the dash. Mm -hmm. So we're actually going through a rebrand and we are sort of revamping everything. And so it's changed quite a bit, but, um, you know, we we're anywhere from, you know, between depending on the day of the week, a thousand, uh, yeah, a hundred to a thousand orders in a week, in a week. That's a week. That's good business. Yeah. I mean, we're obviously trying to do a lot more than that. We want everybody to, you know, feel really comfortable ordering cheese online and hopefully feel like they trust us to do it well. Total. I mean, so then we're getting into the holiday season now. Is corporate gifting a big part of what you guys do as well? Or is that a newer thing? Yeah. I mean, it is newer for us in that we have the capacity to fulfill those, Mm -hmm. that quantity, those quantities of orders, but, um, collections, ready-built gifting is huge for us. So really, yeah, I mean, there's, we want to be a solution for people in their own homes as far as ordering like a ready-made cheese board and also sending to, to friends and family across the United States. So, totally. you know, we we're building out our collections. We have quite a few already, but we want to be, you know, a solution for, Hey, I want to send my aunt across the country, a box of really great cheese and meat and jams and all that. So I'm, I could either pick all these things, you know, myself on the website and agonize about what's going to go together. Or I can just say, okay, Hey, these cheesemongers put together this box of stuff. Great. Send it to, send it to her. Just, done. Yes. Done. <laughs> so that for corporate gifting as well, that's been, yeah. that's been great. And our collections, especially during the holidays are a real driver for us. Oh yeah. So it's holidays, birthdays, maybe even like crazy stuff like that. Anything really, I mean, really yeah. anything. I mean, Hey, get well soon. Here's some cheese. <laughs> food goes great with anything, pretty much any, any moment. So yeah, it's, and you know, that's the other thing too, is we live in a world where, you know, gifting is more challenging depending on who you're trying to gift to, you know, there's just so much good stuff out there. So giving food is a pretty safe bet, right? Okay, giving yeah. cheese, giving charcuterie, giving, you know, a great bottle of olive oil. That's going to land well that's most of winner. the time. That's yeah. A winner. That's a winner. Oh man. All right. Hey, listeners, you heard it here on Cutting the Curd. I'm here with Christy Kay of Gourmet Dash, and we'll be right back. This episode of Cutting the Curd is brought to you by Conte Cheese Association. Conte Cheese Association represents the Conte PDO, Conte Protected Designation of Origin in the USA. Conte is a raw milk cooked pressed cheese from the Jura Mountains of France. There, every day, 2,500 family farms deliver milk to over 150 local cheesemaking facilities, or fruitiers. This milk must be transformed into Conte within 24 hours of milking to preserve the lactic microflora in the milk, ensuring the cheese's aromatic potential. About 105 gallons of milk are required to craft a single wheel of Conte. Conte takes time to acquire its flavors in the affinage cellars. After eight months of aging by dedicated affineurs on average, each wheel of Conte is graded and shipped to market. No wheel of Conte is the same. Its flavors speak to the pastures where the cows grazed, the season in which it was made, the particular craftsmanship of the cheesemaker, and the time spent in the aging cellar. Therefore, every wheel of Conte is unique. Learn more about Conte, an iconic cheese from the Jura Mountains of France, favored by cheesemongers and cheese lovers all over the world. 
Find out more at conte-usa.com. That's C-O-M-T-E-USA.com. Welcome back, everyone, to Cutting the Curd. I'm your host, Kara Warren. I'm here with Christy Kay of Gourmet Dash, an online e-commerce, e-cheesemonger situation that's happening. Uh, I'm learning more about the holiday season and how you can buy better gifts for people, uh, how we can all have better cheese in our lives all over the nation. Um, and now I'm kind of curious. I, I'm not sure if we covered it. Like, what types of cheese? Is it, like, mostly domestic cheese, imported cheese, like... What's the portfolio? Is it? You said it's twelve hundred, so I guess it could be everything. You're telling me it's everything. Well, the, the twelve hundred is including multiple sizes, right right? right? right, right. So we're more in the hundreds at the moment, but um, you know, but we, I mean, ultimately we want to have everything, right? But right now, yeah, we have we have small American producers. We have larger That's what I was American wondering about. Producers. Like, I, I figured I know GFI has the imported game down. They're good at what they do with importing. But like the small, say there's a cheesemaker who's listening to this now. Are you guys able? How does that work nowadays? Yeah, I mean, well, a couple things. You know, obviously, if GFI carries it, we have pretty easy access to it, and we can put it on the site and, and fulfill it that way. But another thing that we do, which is really great for producers, small producers, is solving that fulfillment. For them, right? So, like for example, the cheese company that I used to work for, Hobo, they're real small. It's a it's a couple and they're ch- children. I mean, it's a single family, right? They're right. making amazing cheese, and they want to be making cheese. They want to be tending to their cows, milking cheese, making cheese. They do not want to be packing boxes. I mean, Tyler Davis, who's the cheesemaker, told me just you know recently, I don't want to be packing boxes, Christy. I want to be out on my farm, you know. So one thing we offer for those is those kind of um, small producers is we'll do your fulfillment for you. So, you know, even if they're not currently part of the GFI catalog, um, because our, you know, movement is different, we're selling directly to consumer versus to, you know, stores and restaurants, we'll bring the product in and fulfill it for that producer. So they, on their website would have a button, you know, buy cheese now, Mm -hmm. and then go to our website. Um, for example, so we do that for some American producers like Idle Farms up in Michigan. They make amazing cheese. And, you know, maybe they just want to have an easy fulfillment solution. They can direct their customers to our site. We'll send, you know, fulfill it, send it to their customers' houses, and they don't have to worry about it, but they still get that, that you know, they, they can offer that service. Um, same with some foreign producers that maybe don't have the direct fulfillment in the U.S. Mm-hmm. Like Will Stud, we work with those guys to um, fulfill in the U.S. for their U.S. customers. So that's really great. So the point is that we offer those fulfillment for small producers that want to focus on either producing or the other producers that maybe aren't set up in the U.S. to do it themselves. That's so cool, actually, because I don't know what companies are out there currently doing that. So that to me is also a great business advantage that you guys have, that you have the technology that you can offer. And I'm sure there are cheesemakers out there right now who are like, oh my God, I need to reach out to Christy. Like, <laughs> this is what I need in my life. Um, are you doing the foraging too? Are you dealing with that side of the business as well? Like um, putting people into GFI or into Gourmet Dash, Does that is that under your role as well? Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I mean, I'd like to offer everything that all the cheeses that our customers want to eat and buy, we'd like to offer. So for example, we have a, one of our top sellers is actually the Mazithra 
uh, cheese blend from the old spaghetti factory, right? And that's not like a small production artisanal. That's like a big restaurant chain's cheese blend, right? And hey, I grew up with old spaghetti factory. I love that stuff. Oh, I don't know this. I got to look into this. Well, <laughs> the point is, you know, like not everybody wants to buy a ball of mazithra and grate it up at their house because that stuff is really hard, right? Okay. So a lot of people like to do the tub of the cheese and they do it with the brown butter, just like you get in the restaurant. Ooh, delicious. That's one of our top selling items. So, you know, between that or like, let's say the, you know, Carolina Moon from Chapel Hill, small production, artisanal, you know, we'd like to send both of those things to your house, right? Like yeah. if you need your tubbed mazithra, we got you. <laughs> and if you need your Appalachian Meadow Creek, like raw milk wedge, we got you there too, right? We're trying to do kind of provide any kind of cheese that someone's looking for. Yeah, no, I'm sure there's like even some restaurants, like some food service elements where you guys are really helping them in a bind, get something special that normally they can't get from their regional distributor. I could see that also possibly working out for some groups, you know? Yeah. Um, and that's a lot of how people find us is, Hey, I want this unique item and I'm going to Google it and end up, you know, on your site. That's very cool. So how do you see the the cheese e-cheesemonger world evolving? Do you think like, what do you see next in the technology for it? Oh my gosh. Um, you know, I, I certainly hope that someday there's, you know, a button and you hit it on your tablet or something and a video of me pops on and says, Hey, what are you eating? You know? And they're like, Hey, what, do, what wine do I drink with this? You know? And I'm like, Oh, try this, you know, and have that kind of live in your house experience. I actually did something like that with Amazon. I worked for their customer service. Oh gosh. That's yeah. Cool. To where I did Kindle support and you know, they would say, Hey, I need help with my Kindle and hit a button and a video of me would appear on their screen. So I've kind of done that in the past and you know, I'm sure my boss is thinking, Christy, just temper your expectations. We're not going to be putting you <laughs> in anybody's home anytime soon. But I really want to have those conversations with people. And I think maybe there is a future to that. I mean, we're we're trying to set up, um, you know, maybe a live chat on our site where, hey, if you're shopping and you really have to ask a monger question, instead of doing that contact us form, you can do a chat. So I think for the future of mongering in general and e-cheese mongering, I think that personalized service is becoming more maybe popular again because there's just so much choice and um, so much, uh, you know, when so much choice, there's just that need for customized service. And I think that maybe we mongers are going to become more in demand the bigger the world gets, it seems, every day. And, you know, through the Internet and through having those virtual conversations and meetings, I think that will be more necessary in the future. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, I, I, you know, there is something too that I wonder if mongers, the personalities like yourself, it can become more global or more national and really they have their own brands. They're not stuck to the stores, you know, like what you're saying, which is, you know, I, I can see people really getting to know you through this website, which is kind of cool. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, like I said, I, I do miss the, face-to-face interaction of being in a, in a cheese shop. That's certainly something I miss, but we're trying to kind of recreate that. Right. Online. Actually, I wanted to ask you about, um, since you can't sample, like, how do you get beyond that in the conversation? Like, you know, most people usually want to try the cheese. So how do you work around that? Yeah, I think building trust is a really big part of it, right? If we become a trusted source for people and we say, hey, you know, this is really great 
trust me, if you buy this and you get it shipped to your house, which is, you know, a big step, you will like it, you know, and if you don't like it, let's have a conversation about it. But uh, we do sampling actually, um, because we sell exact weight pieces, we're not ringing them up after the weight is cut. We have little extras in, in each wheel, right? Because oh. people are ordering a pound or eight ounces and we have to cut it and send exactly that, right? We're not going to send a whole lot extra no. because that doesn't work for the business and we can't sell less than that. So we end up with these little pieces and we actually drop those into boxes and we try to be intentional about, you know, oh, this person is ordering Oregon blue. So I'm going to put in a piece of smoky blue, right? Because I've got one here and trying to sample that way. And so that when people get their box and they open it, they're excited for what they've got, but there's something new in there for them to try that maybe next time they visit the site, they'll say, oh yeah, I got that little piece of smoky blue. I'm definitely going to get a piece of that because that was great. So we're, we're trying to be intentional with our sampling, even though we can't hand them that sample in front of them and, and see their reaction, which is possibly the best part. I know that's but true. Oh, the hope man. is that they consider us, like you said before, an educator, a cultivator, sort of helping them in their cheese journey um, to where eventually they trust us. They trust me. If I say, Hey, this piece of cheese is awesome. It's a little easier maybe to say, you know what? Yeah. I'll, you know, spend 10 bucks on a piece of cheese and get it shipped to my house. Cause you know, without mm-hmm. trying it. Yeah, no, that's okay. That's really cool. I mean, that's how you could get repeat offenders. I get it. That's, uh, that's neat. And then do you also help with like accompaniments like crackers and jams or condiments or whatever? Yeah, I mean, making pairing recommendations, and I guess training people to do their own pairings at home and be comfortable with exploring pairings themselves is a lot of what we're trying to do as well. You know, like, be comfortable with just, you know, working on stuff yourself and saying, Hey, these things seem like they would go together. Let's do it. Or going to our site and saying, okay, I really need like a pair that's <laughs> tried and tested. Yeah. Help me, you know, help me please. <laughs> um, so what do you see next for gourmet dash? Like what's happening on the radar in the next few years or that, you know, you hope will happen. I mean, we're just trying to add, I'm trying to add more cheese to the site. Right. I, like I said, we are just trying to serve as many people good, good cheese and good meat and good crackers and all the yummiest products from small producers and everybody that we can. So um, I see more products on the site, more collections, more content. I mean, gosh, I have a to-do list that's, you know, just (laughs) mind boggling. There's a lot to do, but um, yeah, I want to bring in more small producers and do that fulfillment aspect for those small producers so they can sort of more easily reach their customers and focus on what they're good at, which is making cheese, developing new cheeses, you know, perfecting their local culture that they're making themselves, you know, that kind of thing. No, that's very, very, very cool. Um, so how has social media affected your business? Um, like, are you using that as well? Because, I mean, you're trying to bring brand awareness. So is that also in play? Yeah, I mean, gosh, social media is like everything now, isn't it? TikTok and Instagram (laughs) and Facebook. I mean, that's, I will say a lot of our customers, I think, are not huge social media users. Um, I don't think we have captured the Gen Z yet. (laughs) Um, They're not really online, you know, spending a whole lot of money on fine cheese at the moment. But um, we do connect with our customers through social media. It's a huge way. I mean, if you, unless you're going to our site and going to the Cheesemongers Corner, which is sort of the educational cheesemonger part of the site, how are we going to reach you? I mean, if you're scrolling through your Instagram or on Facebook, that's how we're 
kind of dropping a little nugget of cheese knowledge into your normal daily routine, right? So that's cool, huge for us. And I think that's a big part of the two-way conversation that I was talking about with cheesemongering, right? It's not just a dissemination of here's some information about cheese, right? It's That's a way for our customers to also interact with us by commenting, asking questions, sending us messages, interacting with videos, you know, hey, I love that video. Can you do another one about how to cut a piece of cheese with a tape measure? You know, that kind of thing. That's the two-way conversation that we're going for there. That's cool. I'm So it sounds like you guys are building a fan base um, and you got all new small cheesemongers coming in there, small producers, I mean to say. So I'm excited to see what you guys do next. That's pretty cool. I wanted to say, Christy, thank you for coming here today on the show. This was awesome. Thank you, Kara. Went by so fast. I feel like I could just, you know, sit here, eat pizza, do it all over again. I know. Roberta's is like on its way right now. It's about lunchtime. Maybe we should go get a slice in a minute. Um, That sounds great. (laughs) All right, everyone. Just a few words here. So um, please follow Gourmet Dash on Instagram at Gourmet Dash. And you can follow us at Cutting the Curd and myself at Kara Warren. Uh, Chrissy's also on Instagram, but uh, you have to find her by her name. And I'm not sure she'll pick and choose who she likes. She's a private account. You can follow me. It's (laughs) at Cheesemongress. Ah, she told you. So now she knows. Now it's out there. All right. Please listen and subscribe to Cutting the Curd via Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Thanks and eat more cheese. Cutting the Curd is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. Keep in touch at heritageradionetwork.org slash subscribe.